Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good evening and welcome to the History of Alchemy podcast. I'm Travis Dow. Welcome to this special edition Halloween episode of basically just uh, progs and legends about alchemists. And all of the ones I'll say today will actually take place in Prague. So I hope you like this. Here's just a couple of uh, ghost stories and legends for you. So get comfy, ladies and gentlemen. It's story time. What I like so much about these um, stories and legends, or, or also what I like so much about being a ghost tour guide, was that you can, in Prague especially, you can tie stories and legends to specific buildings, which gives it an extra level of depth that you can, every time I walk by a building that was on one of my tours, I would kind of remember the story and, and the city would just come that much more alive to me. So for example, um, what was once one of the, the biggest town squares in Europe is Charles Square here in Prague, and it was obviously built by Charles IV. But on the corner of Charles Square, there is a house known as Faust's House. And it's, if, in case you're ever in Prague, it's actually Karlovo Namiesti, which is Charles Square, 40 and 41. So that's the address of the building. And it's in the corner, it's in one of the corners of Karlovo Namiesti. <clears throat> and it's opposite the Na, the Na Slovanech Monastery. So you see the monastery on one corner, and then you can kind of look across, and there's supposedly Faust House. And it's actually more of a small palace than a house. And legend tells that it once belonged to Dr. Faustus, who, you know, as we know, kind of as if you've ever read Goethe's Faust, he basically sold his soul to the devil. And I've mentioned him before because um, there's also a house in Wittenberg that claims to be Faust's house, and, and there'll probably be an episode on that, um, maybe even both on the History of Germany podcast and the History of Alchemy podcast. But So Faust is kind of an alchemist that was successful because he sold his soul to the devil. In any case, while he was living at this house in Karlovo Namiesti and on Charles Square, it was time for him to pay up, and the devil came for him and he vanished, leaving nothing but a scorched gaping hole in one of the rooms. Nobody could succeed in bricking up the hole. The masonry always fell out again overnight, and so the house remained empty, and the people were terrified of spending even one night there. Until a student, Mladot, Mladota by name, was audacious enough to enter Faust's house. One night, he had been forced to pack up his meager possessions and leave his poor lodgings with a bundle on his back because he already owed two weeks of rent. With nowhere to lay his head, he tramped through the streets of Prague until he found himself in front of Faust's house. Because he was a stranger to fear, he said to himself, why should I spend a night under a bridge when there's a whole palace waiting for me here? He tentatively pressed down the rusty handle, and the front door scraped open. In the moonlight, everything had a spectral look. He could make out twisted furniture and strange statues and shadowy corners, a spacious kitchen with a big table and chairs, a study with scrolls of parchment, scrolls of parchment and books, 
all covered with a layer of dust and yellowed. In a bedroom, the student found a fine bed with a canopy, and so he wasted no time but flung aside the dusty counterpane, lay down under the quilt, and fell sound asleep. When he woke in the morning, he looked around curiously. He was most interested by the study, which was partially equipped as a laboratory. Apart from books and scrolls, the long table had quantity of bottles, alembics, and retorts, still with remains of the original contents. Can you tell why I like this story? And in the midst of the disorder, lying in a stone bowl, a polished silver taller coin. What luck, thought the student. He took the taller, didn't stay long in the house, but hurried off to find his friends in the tavern. He told them about the comfortable lodgings he had found for himself, and he had enough money for a good meal and several beers. In fact, he drank to his good fortune with his friends so thoroughly that twilight caught him in the same tavern, and so he went off to sleep at Faust's house again. He sank into the quilts, fell asleep, and when he awoke, the sun was already high in the sky. Something seemed to whisper in his ear, telling him to go and see if there might be another coin in the bowl. And there it was, round, shining in silver. I could get to like the sort of ghost who brings you money, thought the student. He went straight to the tavern and everything happened just as on the day before. Soon he became accustomed to the strange way of life. Every morning, he would take the taller from the bowl, drink it away with his friends, and then go back at night to sleep. And he forgot his studies entirely. His friends envied him his luck, but in the depths of their hearts, none would have exchanged their lives for his. Mladota was too reckless, and it never occurred to him that there had to be a price for this kind of magical favor. One day, he didn't go to the tavern. It struck him that instead of just one taller, he might be able to find several in the bowl, or why not gold pieces? He dusted off the books of sorcery and started to read them. The largest in particular engrossed him. He leafed through it until late into the night, and then again the next day. Since he had after all learned something from his studies, he soon deciphered the strange script and realized that they were spells to conjure up dark spirits. A week went by, and the, stu and the student had not appeared among his friends. It occurred to them that he might be ill, and so a few brave souls among them set out for the Faust house to pay him a visit. But they knocked vainly at the front door until one of them had the idea of climbing over the wall into the garden and then getting into the palace through a window. Once inside, they looked for Mladota and called his name, but there was no answer. When they entered the study, a terrible sight met their eyes. Everything had been destroyed, the books torn up and the vessels shattered, the table with the great book overturned, and in the ceiling there was a great black hole. Full of horror, the students fled the Faust house and then told everyone that the devil himself had carried Mladota away through the hole in the ceiling. I know we've mentioned before that Prague is the reason that we got into the history of alchemy because I started as a ghost tour guide and just the stories of alchemists kind of fascinated me and I wanted to know more about them. And the interesting thing is that but just by knowing the ghost stories and legends, you can piece together a history of the golden age of alchemy in Prague here because um, there's stories of them being invited and then there's several houses 
throughout Prague that are still connected to alchemy. Like there's the House of the Two Golden Bears right, right off of Old Town Square, which I think I've mentioned on the show. There's, there's all kinds of alchemist symbols on the outside. And then the house I just mentioned. And there's a few other houses around that are associated with alchemies. But then at one point, um, Rudolf II, the emperor that brought them all here, also started to get impatient with their lack of creating cold and wanted to have, especially for certain alchemists, like court alchemists, he wanted to have a better eye on them. And so he moved them into the Golden Lane. The Golden Lane is maybe the most famous street in Prague in, in some ways. And it's actually within the castle. And it has very tiny houses on it. I think I've, I've tweeted pictures of it and probably put it on Facebook, but... Um, I can try to put it on the show, maybe, or I can try to put it on historyofalchemy.com. And it's just these really cute little houses. And it was originally built probably for archers that they could stay near the castle. But then, um, according to legend, this is where Rudolf II housed the alchemists later on to kind of keep a watch over them. And then there's a, there's a few stories from when alchemists lived there, like that at one point or now and then, Rudolf II would try to starve them. And then that they would kind of... Uh, lower buckets down through the windows to try to get food, you know, through the moat. It's right on the edge of the moat there. And it's it's really neat. Now you have to pay to get into it. They normally have it blocked off. But every once in a while towards the evenings, I just kind of get lucky and you see it open and you can walk up and down it. And there's shops in there. So I'm not sure why they would ever make people pay to get into that part of the castle. But it is really cool. It is pretty neat to see. And then later, Rudolf II moved them elsewhere, and then, um, you know, under Rudolf II was also the end of, of alchemists being legal in, in Prague. So um, it's kind of the beginning, middle, and end of the Golden Age is, is Rudolf II, which is why we mention him so often on the show. And uh, a lot of the alchemists' history in Prague is directly related to him. He brought them here, and then uh, other court physicians and alchemists brought other alchemists here, and everyone tried to... You know, curry favor with the emperor, and um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a really interesting history in general. And as I started reading about it, I started answering questions about alchemy on forums, and then eventually the show the show merged out of that. But um, yeah, in the end, what what makes a topic come alive are these kind of stories and legends. And there's the most famous story of the Golden Lane for the Alchemist's Age is about one specific one specific house in the Golden Lane. There really is, it is really an interesting, weird street because it's within the castle, but it's all these little houses side by side as if they're, you know, all kind of leaning on each other. And then eventually in the 18th century, they were sold off cheap because even though they're right in the castle, they're really small. So there's basically some of, some pretty poor um, proggers that moved there, including all kinds of, you know, according to the, to the legend, all kinds of weird people lived there, like eccentrics, like fortune tellers and soothsayers and, um, you know, this all these kind of interesting people that wanted to live really close to the castle, but also, you know, didn't have a lot of money uh, for whatever reason. There's just all kinds of interesting stories that grew out of this street over time. Franz Kafka supposedly rented a house in the street. Um, in fact, number 22, if for the curious. But it is called the Golden Lane now because of all the alchemists back in, in Rudolf II's time. But there's a story of of a particular man that lived on one of these in one of these houses, and this old man was he, he was kind of eccentric. He spoke with no one. He was totally by himself, and he rarely went outside of his humble abode. You know, just, he's kind of a shut-in. But in any case, he he seemed to be engaged in some intense activity. For, there'd be puffs of black 
yellow or even blue smoke often came out of his chimney, and there was a light in his window long into the night. As the years went by, the neighbors got used to this strange old man and decided that he was just a harmless lunatic. But one afternoon, the old man burst out of his little house, his eyes glowing, his long unkempt hair and beard flapping. He waved his arms above his head and cried, Good people, I have done it. I have produced gold. Real gold. Everyone ran towards him. The old man gestured feverishly with his hands and began to stammer out an explanation. But suddenly, he stiffened, pressed his hands to his chest, and fell to the ground dead. Because he had no family, the neighbors buried him in one of the mass pauper's graves. Officials entered the house. They found no trace of gold, but only a document identifying the dead man as coming from a famous and rich noble family. Soon the old man's son arrived in the Golden Lane and asked the neighbors about his father's life there. What he told them in his turn was very revealing. Many years previously, the old man had lived peacefully with his children and their families in a great chateau in southern Bohemia. But one day he had got into his head that truly fairy tale wealth might be obtained for his children, and therefore had buried himself in his books of alchemy and started to conduct all kinds of experiments in his chamber. The family feared that their father was becoming senile and so kept trying to prevent him experimenting. But one day the old man just disappeared. They searched all over Bohemia for him, but found no clue as to his whereabouts. No one suspected he had, re he had rented a house in Golden Lane in order to carry on with his experiments undisturbed. He left nothing to suggest he had really discovered the secret of gold, and if he had, he took it with him to his grave. But Golden Lane could now boast that at least one real nobleman had lived there. And by the time a good few years had passed since the old man's death, the never the neighbors never called the smallest house in Golden Lane anything but the Chateau. Another fun story that kind of just combines a ghost story with buried treasure or lost treasure is takes place at the Belvedere. And the Belvedere is this beautiful Renaissance building. In fact, it's, it's considered one of the most beautiful Renaissance buildings north of the Alps. And it sits right in the middle of the Royal Gardens, just, just a little, I don't know, five or ten minute walk away from the Prague Castle. And, you know, you're walking through the Royal Gardens, so it's a, it's a really nice walk. But this building, you know, kind of has a, a roundish um, green-blue roof and is, you know, otherwise a very beautiful Renaissance building with columns and fountains and... Um, it was actually meant to be a gift for Queen Anne from her husband, Ferdinand I of Habsburg, but she unfortunately died before it could be completed. So as a result, Ferdinand I, uh, for one, he banned all other women from ever seeing that palace. But then, of course, after his death, then women are allowed to see it, obviously. But it also has, it, you know, it's kind of covered in sort of Greek mythology, you know, pictures and carvings from Greek mythology and and uh, it even has like a singing fountain where if you go underneath the fountain, you sort of hear harp, harp music. But um, yeah, it's just kind of a neat place. But then what makes it even more fun for me, of course, is that once Rudolf II got his hands on it, he turned it into a, an astronomer's lab or an astronomer's observatory and also an alchemist's lab. And specifically, that's one of the places he invited Tycho Brahe to. And Tycho Brahe I've done a show on and, and it's a really interesting character. Um, but there were obviously other kind of people helping out with... Now, for Tycho Brahe, it didn't really work out that well because 
Um, he, his instruments were just too big for the balconies on this thing, but they have, you know, there's kind of a star chart um, encrusted in the ceiling with precious, precious stones and, you know, all painted blue and black and with constellations and stuff. And it's, it's a really neat kind of place. And the astronomers definitely left their mark. So like even Johannes Kepler was probably there for a time or had known about it. And um, also there was, there, were, there was an alchemist lab, supposedly. And I have a ghost story from that kind of aspect of the building too, which is that um, in Rudolf II's time, a lot of gold came in and out of that lab. So even to make gold, as you probably know from listening to the show by now, that to make gold, you needed some gold, according to several recipes. Like, you needed some gold to seed the Philosopher's Stone. So a lot of gold came in and out, and there was a lot of experimentation on gold in general. And um, supposedly there was one alchemist that was kind of hoarding this gold, either coming in or going out. In either case, it either came from or was meant for Rudolf II, but um, there was one alchemist who was kind of pinching a little bit on the side. And he knew he couldn't just wander out with a huge bundle during the day. So what he do, what he did was he buried it somewhere in the gardens. And he thought he had marked it and, you know, everything was fine. But still, every night he would go out and he went to where he thought it was and it wasn't there. And either someone had followed him and found their treasure or he just buried it in the wrong place. Um, but in any case, he just couldn't find it. And he wasn't quite sure exactly where he buried it because, you know, it was dark and it was hard to see. And so every time he came back, it was dark and hard to see. And he just, you know, he just kept coming and... People noticed a lantern kind of wandering around the gardens, but when any time anyone came to investigate, you know, the, the lantern would kind of run away and it would be hard, hard to tell. Well, in, in any case, at one point, this alchemist died, but the sightings of the lantern in the gardens didn't. So supposedly you can still see a light at night sometimes, and that's that alchemist looking for, for his lost gold. And then eventually Rudolf II got more and more sick and tired of his alchemists. And there's another story that in the end he had them all locked up in one of the towers on, on, in the Prague Castle. And it's, it's either Daliborka Tower or the one next to it, but um, it, you know stories kind of vary. But in one of those towers he had the alchemists lock, locked up and, and they had an alchemist lab in there. Now there was kind of some issues with that because there was a lot of alchemists in a very cramped space and all kind of working in one lab and this tower was built more for defense so it had really small windows and you know we've mentioned on the show before especially if you listen to the making gold with Pete and Travis episode where we kind of follow along a recipe um, this required a lot of heat you know with more than one experiment going quite a bit of heat and a lot of fuel and it just stank it just stank like uh, you know well, sulfur for one, but also other uh, various things. And it's not, not hard to imagine that these alchemists, you know, sweating day and night in this in their labs, in, in the one big lab, would have just kind of gotten sick of this. I mean, this is far, far from ideal. And they would just got, kind of gotten more tired, tired of the treatment that they were getting. Because after all, you know, they had come over from all over Europe and, you know, had big, these big reputations. And here they were locked in a tower. And they just kind of got sick of this. And so at some point... They just kind of revolted a little bit, and at this point it was believed that without their beards, their beards had some kind of mystical properties, so if they would shave their beards, they would not be able to make gold. Even if they followed the recipes exactly, um, you know, they just alchemists needed beards as part of the conditions. 
And so they shaved their beards in protest, saying, we're, we're on strike until our beards grow back. There's nothing you can do about it, so you might as well let us out into the moat. And the, the stag moat, the stag moat and kind of the doe moat or whatever, or the deer moat, but um, they were outside of one of the two, and it's just kind of green and lush, and it's nice, and, and you can go down there. They had bears at the very lowest part, and this is a true story. In, in Chesky Krumlov, you could, there's still bears there, but there were bears in the prog moat at one point. But, you know, you could be up on the hill and be a safe distance away and still enjoy the kind of green. And it was, you know, just a nice kind of place. There was a little creek that ran through it. And, um, you know, the, the alchemists just saw this every day looking out their window and they just wanted to go down. And so they asked, you know, they, and then they started, you know, kind of demanding from Rudolf II that, they would, that he would let them go down. And so eventually Rudolf II relented. He said, okay, well, you're useless to me without your beards, so enjoy the moat. And he locked them all up in cages and put them at the very lowest part. So, and they kind of had them stacked up. So the lowest part, uh, the bears could actually get to and, and killed some of the alchemists. And, and there's the, the phrase that at that day, the bears feasted on the meat of the wise. And the others that were out of reach, well, they still starved to death. And, and with that comes the end of the golden age of alchemy in Prague, at least according to legend. Um, and then, you know, of course, Rudolf II dies, and, and then the Thirty Years' War happens shortly thereafter. So that's kind of the end of the Golden Age, um, at least for that part of the world. And, but with that also, will come the end of our show. So thank you very much for listening, and have a happy Halloween. You've been listening to the History of Alchemy podcast with Travis Dow and Pete Coleman. For more information about this episode, other episodes, and other information about alchemy, alchemists, and related subjects, visit historyofalchemy.com. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, review, and don't forget to rate us. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments, ideas, and corrections to podcast at historyofalchemy.com or get in touch via Facebook on the History of Alchemy podcast page or Twitter at Alchemy Podcast. Tune in to our sister podcast all about the Czech Republic, Behemicon, which is also available on iTunes or on behemicon.com. Until next time on the History of Alchemy podcast, thank you for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.